Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the St. Oswald's Haberfield Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Sydney's inner west, following Jesus and helping people find grace, learn hope and be light. If you'd like to visit us or find out more, go to cciw.church. Well, friends, today we're hitting the replay button on a series that we did last year in January called Questions Jesus Asks. That's why we called it 2.0 this time around. I mean, it's not really a repeat because this year we're taking four different questions to the ones that we looked at last year, uh, and we're going to try and see what we can learn from them. In part, we're on this series because in January, right across Christchurch Inner West, of which St. Oswald's is a part, a number of the pastoral staff take their holidays I'm on holidays this coming week, and it's just really helpful to be able to have a series where preachers can come in and out and not feel like they have to pick up exactly where it got left off. But at the same time, we're coming back to this series because last year we found it so helpful as a way to start the year, to set us up while we are setting up our goals and our hopes, and we're wondering what the year might bring. Do you know that Jesus asked 307 questions in the Bible, 307. And you can learn a lot about a person from the answers that they give. But you can learn even more by the questions that they ask. And so what we're trying to do as we explore these questions that Jesus asks is to find out what they teach us about him and what they teach us about following him. And today we start with a question that quickly gets beneath our skin. Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? I mean, in the context of the story, you read in Mark 4, the answer is pretty obvious. The disciples are in the throes of a terrifying storm. But Jesus asks the question and the gospel writer Mark records the question because it's not just a question for them, it's also a question for us. Why are you afraid. And if we will let him, Jesus has something to say to our fears about the storms and uncertainties in our lives too. So we're going to open up the passage under three headings. Number one, the reality of fear. Number two, Jesus and fear. And number three, the antidote to fear. So firstly, the reality of fear. If you've got your Bible with you, Mark chapter four or a device Uh, We are in verse 35. This is how Mark tells the story. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Now, Lake Galilee, where they were sailing, is located below sea level. And not far away is a mountain called Mount Hermon. And it sits 2,800 meters above sea level. And one of the interesting geographical factors that happens when you've got a high mountain and a below sea level lake is that cold air rushes down off the mountain 
and warm air rises up from the sea and they meet each other and they create these terrifying weather patterns. And so Lake Galilee was used to some big storms. And these disciples, some of them, they were experienced fishermen. This was not the first time they'd been in a big storm, but this one must have been incredibly powerful because they thought they were going to drown. Their fear overwhelmed them. Let's talk about fear for a moment. We're living in what sociologists and media commentators call a culture of fear. Have you heard that expression? In one sense, it's not like the fear itself is much different than it has been in other generations. Every generation has had things to be afraid of. What's arguably a little bit different about our culture is the increased awareness that we seem to have of our fears and the way that those fears are played to by factors like the 24-hour news cycle and social media. Understanding that we're far more likely to click and linger over a story of a catastrophe or bad news than we are to do the same for a heartwarming one. And so we're in a cycle that has a tendency to amplify fear. Now, don't get me wrong, there are plenty of legitimate reasons for fear. Fear is a highly adaptive emotional response to dangers and threats. Psychologists speak about our fight, flight, freeze or fawn responses to anxiety and stress. And those can protect us in moments where we are in danger whether physical danger, emotional danger, some other relational danger, or another kind. But these are elevated responses that are designed to protect us in the short term, in emergencies, not constant states that we're designed to inhabit. And part of the thing about fear is that it leads to different ways of dealing with it, different responses. Think about yourself for a moment. What are the things that you fear deep down? Maybe you fear being found out. You feel like an imposter and you hate the thought that someday you'll be exposed as a phony in a space you want to be respected in. And it makes you a people pleaser, always trying to impress and perform and hiding the real you. Or maybe you fear something happening to your children that you can't protect them from, and so you overfunction to keep them safe in situations where they could be learning to fend for themselves. Or maybe you fear being alone, and so you throw yourself into relationships that hurt you. And you know in the moment that it's risky, but nothing seems so bad as not being wanted by anyone. Or maybe you fear the housing market or interest rate hikes or that you'll never get ahead like your parents' generation seemed able to. Maybe you you fear being resented by your adult children or societal problems that seem to be getting worse. One of our greatest, uh, culture's biggest ways, sorry, of dealing with fear is by getting angry and othering those we don't agree with. We form an us and them mentality. And we all know deep down who the people are who we reject and who we don't agree with. And when we feel threatened by them, we end up feeling like we need to demonize them. 
David Brooks, a New York Times columnist, writes, fear stokes anger, which then stokes more fear. Anger is the child of fear. The philosopher Martha Nussbaum writes in her book, The Monarchy of Fear, the fearful person turns asocial, rejects any compassionate response to social problems, and instead lashes out. Fear, indeed, is intensely narcissistic, she continues. It drives out all thoughts of others. The fearful person doesn't see particular individuals, just hateful shades who arouse disgust and can be blamed. When we're fearful, we put blinkers on so that you become unable to respond to other people with creativity and kindness. And there's a reason for this, I think. It's because deep down, fear is related to love. The things that we love, whether financial security or our reputation or our success or a relationship, when those things feel threatened, we fear. And so when we act out of fear, including when we sin out of fear, that shows us something about what we love. For what it's worth, just as a side point, when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, what it's saying is that you um, really get that it's better for anything else to happen, that you would put up with any difficulty or sacrifice or loss, because that's better than dishonoring the Lord. You love God more than anything. And so you fear doing anything that would mess with or compromise that love. And our passage shows something of this dynamic. See, there's two kinds of fear at work in these short few verses. The first one is the one that's there in Jesus' question. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you afraid? That word translated afraid there is not the normal word in Greek that gets translated for fear. That's the word phobos, which we get our word phobia from. But this word's a bit of an unusual word, and it means to be cowardly. Why are you cowering in fear? Why are you letting this circumstance paralyze you? But then in verse 41, we're told that the disciples were filled with great awe. And that actually has the word phobos twice in that expression. Literally, it's they feared with great fear. See, the disciples, they start off as cowards. And they move towards a deeper kind of fear, rightly translated as awe, great awe. They start fearing the storm and they end fearing the Lord. Their hearts, they get reordered so that their fear of the Lord, their love for God is greater than their fear of the storm. And what Jesus asks in this question and asks of us is not to stop being afraid altogether. It's to get our fears lined up right, to let our fear of the world grow smaller as our fear of God grows rightly bigger. And how does that happen? Well, point two, Jesus and fear. See, one of the things to notice in this passage is that the disciples, they have joined Jesus in the boat. He's out on the boat because the crowd got so big that he had to 
push off from the shore, standing in a boat to teach the crowd so that everyone could see and hear him. The disciples were on the shore, it sounds like, from Mark's telling. And then he says to them, let's go to the other side. And so they get into the boat with him and then they travel to the other side of the lake. And there's a bit of a parallel here for what it means to be a Christian. Becoming a Christian is a decisive step, even if it's a small one initially, to join him wherever he's going. If he's in the boat, I'm in the boat. If he's going to the other side of the lake, I'm crossing the lake. If he's leading, then I'm following. And that means, shockingly, that you might find yourself in some storms you never expected. See, one of the reasons the disciples find themselves in this massive storm is because they followed Jesus. He said, come get in the boat, and they got in the boat. They, they wouldn't have found themselves in this storm if he hadn't told them to get in the boat. And when Jesus asked them the question, why are you afraid? The disciples must have been thinking, what do you mean, why are we afraid? We're afraid because we thought we were going to drown. We were afraid that you didn't love us because if you did, you would prevent these things from happening to us. Have you ever asked a question like that to God? God, if you love me, surely you don't want this for me. Why aren't you getting me out of this situation, God? Don't you care about me, Jesus? But Jesus' question to the disciples points out that that kind of a premise is wrong. He does allow the people he loves to go through storms. Sometimes following Jesus will even lead you into them because Jesus will call you, for example, to be generous. And that means that you will probably have less financial security than you otherwise would. Or he'll call you not to gossip and slander with the result that your climb up the career ladder might suffer some. Or he'll call you to love people that you don't like, even your enemies. And that's going to cause you pain and suffering. Because you're in the boat with Jesus, you'll have more storms to face. And all of that might sound like compelling reasons not to follow Jesus. He demands a lot and he seems to give too little, except, except for this one thing, where is Jesus? Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat and he's right there asleep. And when the disciples rouse him, he shows that he's so in control of the storm that they needn't have worried. With a simple peace, be still. He rebukes the storm and there was dead calm. The disciples, they feared that Jesus was asleep at the wheel but God is never sleeping on the job. He never leaves his post. And the storms we face are never outside his control, which means the disciples and we have no reason to panic. See, fear overwhelms me when the circumstances I am facing or the circumstance that I may face one day become more real to me and more powerful to me than the Lord who made the oceans and who can tell the wind and the waves to stop, be still. But if you're a Christian, you're in the boat with Jesus. 
He has command over every storm, no matter how big or small. He may not steal it when you want him to, but he will steer you through them. And so it's good to be in the boat with Jesus. Far better to be in the boat with Jesus than to be on the shore, but without the Lord who created the cosmos with you. And so let me ask you the question as we begin 2024, what fears are you carrying? What storms do you fear the most? Just take a moment to reflect on that in your heart. What am I worried about this year? What anxieties do I have? Jesus, the Lord of creation, can calm every storm. And more than that, he has promised to be with you. And one day when he comes again, there will be no more storms and everything will be dead calm. But the storms can still be pretty unsettling. And trusting Jesus is not about never being afraid. It's about relating rightly to our fears. And so what can keep you in the boat? Trusting Jesus when you're in those kind of circumstances. Well, point three, the antidote to fear. See, when Jesus confronts the disciples with fear, when he asks them, why are you afraid? He then follows up by going to faith. Have you still no faith? For Jesus, fear and faith are related. And the secret to navigating fear is faith. See, the disciples, they were afraid that Jesus was going to let them die. They even express it in their question. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And to be overwhelmed by fear is to lack faith, to assume that Jesus doesn't care enough to do something or that he's not powerful enough to calm your storms. And so the antidote to fear is faith. When the Bible talks about faith, it's not talking about some kind of abstracted concept. We might believe in evolution or democracy or other things like that, but faith in God is personal. Jesus is asking the question, do you trust me? And the way that you calm your fears is by taking your focus off your circumstance and placing it on Jesus. When you focus on your circumstances and you forget about Jesus, your fears, they will overwhelm you. Jesus has to be bigger for you than the wind and the waves. I know almost nothing about gymnastics. But I do know that um, one of the first rules of performing on the beam, the balance beam, is that you don't look down. And if, if you look at your feet when you're on the balance beam, you fall off, you lose your balance. The only way to, to do the beam is to look ahead, either at the end of the beam or at a fixed point out in the distance. And it's the same when we're in the storms. Don't look down. Fear will sink you. But if you look at Jesus, if you keep your eyes fixed on him, then you can have an anchor point, something to keep you solid 
and stable in those storms. See, at the end of all of this, even though they were afraid of the storm, the disciples were more afraid of Jesus. The storm and Jesus, they both have unmanageable power. But there's a difference between Jesus and the storm. The storm doesn't love you. The storm doesn't love you. And that makes all the difference. See, Jesus will take you through some storms, but there's one storm that Jesus will never take you through. He won't take you through it because he went through it alone, the great storm of God's wrath against sin and evil and death, the one storm that could and should be the end of us. Jesus steered into it alone. For us. And he was beaten and swarmed and drowned by the waves. Jesus, don't you care that I am perishing? Oh, yes, he does. He's shown you by perishing for you. Perfect, infinite love. And that means that you can trust in every storm that he's with you and will steer you through the calm waters. And so one of the ways that you exercise your trust in him practically just as a last little thing to take away, is to pray. Remember that verse that the Apostle Paul writes, Philippians chapter 4? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He says it because he means it. The way to address your anxieties, your fears, your worries, is to Bring them to the God who can meet you in them, who can help you to let go of those things that are causing you to fear so much. And because you're praying with thanksgiving, your eyes are not fixed on yourself, but on him, the Lord who can help you navigate through the storms. Keep focused on him. This year, keep being in the boat with him, no matter what the storm. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the mighty one. Who is this who commands even the wind and the waves? Who is this who would die in our place so that we might never have to enter that storm but be assured that you are with us in every situation, every circumstance, every difficulty that we face? Lord, give us such a a laser-sharp focus on you that no matter what we are facing, we can do it with confidence, not because of our own strength, but because you are with us and you can meet us and enable us to face them unafraid. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.